nugget this morning. And uh, it'll go along with uh, Nada's testimony. <laughs> Adversity tests character. Adversity tests character. But success tests integrity. But success tests integrity. Put it all together. Adversity tests character. And success tests integrity. Glory to God. Hope you will see yourselves on the winning side on both of those uh, situations. Father, we praise you. We just gave you thanks as we look to your word this morning. Our eyes of our understanding may be open, Father God, <clears throat> that we are ready to receive, Father God, your word into our hearts, Father God, that it may build up and strengthen us, Father God, in the times that we have left. In Jesus' name, amen. So if we'll turn to the book of Acts, chapter 13. just want to look at the little section here. That's Acts, chapter 13. We'll be looking at verse 22. Acts, chapter 13, verse 22. And when he had moved, this is from King James, and when he had removed him, he raised up unto him David, to be their king, to whom he also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Glory to God. Wouldn't that be great that we all could say that of ourselves? Oh, from the Amplified, when he had de deposed him, he raised up David to be their king. Of him he bore witness and said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will and carry out my program fully. Glory to God. So we're going to kind of look at that this morning. Um, we're going to be looking at a submitted heart, a submitted heart, if you're wanting to title this, a submitted heart. Uh, again, it says that David was a man after God's own heart. And as we look, at to, look into David's life, we discover he had a submitted heart and is, was a man who quickly repented. That's something that some of us uh, have hard things to do to quickly repent. I mean, I'm, I'm one that kind of holds on to a thing after a while until I cool off. <laughs> So uh, I'm speaking to myself this morning. He understood, David understood authority and the anointing that goes with authority, and he submitted to it, even when it brought about a hardship in his life. You look at the anointing was upon King Saul, but it was a hardship for David to be under. A submitted person does not take or partake in a revolt. It means uh, if you're submitted, you're not going to come against the individual. 
you be submitted and follow through. So far, far, so far too many Christians never truly learn, learn true submits, submission or authority because they live their lives in an area of agreement. If you're always agreeing, you're not going to follow authority. Wow, let me read that again. Far too many Christians never learn to truly submit to authority because they live their lives in an area of agreement, not authority. You know, when somebody with authority comes along, they just kind of puff up, you know. And that is not what we're supposed to do. Oh, boy. A submitted life does not start until agreements have ended. A submitted heart or life does not start until agreement has ended. Submission doesn't even begin to have any type of meaning until there is a disagreement. So you won't find out if you're submitted until you find something to disagree about. Uh-oh. Only when a person disagrees with authority does submission come into play. Again, only when a person disagrees with his authority or the authority does submission come into play whenever you don't agree or whenever i don't agree we face the temptation to opt out of what god has designed for us in that relationship oh boy are we willing uh, willing to learn or are you one to to say i choose to submit myself to those I only, quote, respect. Uh-oh, well, hello. You know, that, you know, it comes hard. Uh, uh, submission comes hard. That's <laughs> Especially when you, when you get into the military, all of a sudden you are there. I mean, the first eight weeks is basic training, and you're learning how to submit and obey to authority. And if you don't do it right away, they get in your face. And it's not just a nice little thing. They get in your face and they shout and scream. You know, you've seen, you've seen uh, movies uh, depicting the, the guys are standing there, you know, and the sergeant's right in his face yelling at the top of, and the kid's eyes are about that big and just, you know, just get, well, they're learning authority and submission, because you can't run an army on ragtag people doing their own thing. And as Christians, too many of us are ragtag because we're not, we're not willing to follow the authority that God has given us or put over us at the time. I thought I'd get an amen there or hello. Okay. Okay. Obedience is a major key to the heart of God. Obedience is the major key to the heart of God. The word obedience from the Webster's Dictionary means giving into others or instruction of one in authority or in control. Let me read that again. Giving in to the orders or instruction of one in authority or control. It implies one to give himself over to obeying by your choice. It has a choice. It's a choice that we obey that individual or we just, you know, uh, just like they said that for the little kid, 
that's caught doing something wrong and the teacher says go go sit on it sit down on that dunce chair or whatever and they say in their mind I may be sitting here but I'm standing up in my heart and that's complete rebellion hello you know it we know it we've all gone through I think well maybe not all of us but you know some of you were real good when you were kids but this is authority the choice of obedience is always, will always be ours regardless of what takes place. You have a choice. Uh, to be obedient is not always convenient. What? You mean I've got to go around and clean all the, the, the butt can, you know, butt cans in, in the service, you know, they, you know guys smoke and they got these cans outside you can't smoke in, inside the barracks so they got butt cans I mean the little cans and you guys just toss their cigarettes and have a little water and you and someone has the delegated job happy job to clean out the bucket I mean actually clean it out where it looks good inside not just pour it out you know, and some people that they can't do that, but you got to do it because that's you're, you're coming under authority. There's a lot of things we we don't like in life, but we have to come to, into authority to of it to grow. Hello, okay. Um, again, obedience is not always convenient, especially in the midst of severe hardships. Okay, let's go to the book of um, Hebrews at this point, the book of Hebrews chapter 11. We find in Hebrews chapter 11, something that we need to follow through on. That's Hebrews chapter 11, looking at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he sh should have after receive an inheritance, obeyed and he went out, not knowing whether he went. In other words, he obeyed. This is what you need to do, Abraham. You need to obey it. And this is what you need to do, Dave or David private you got to do it and when you learn the technique of being obedient blessings come blessings come God calls you to go out to do something or when God calls you out to do something through some through another authority he knows exactly where he's leading you you're not saying well I don't know how I got in this position. I'm just getting the trash. I'm being beat up. You know, God knows what you need at that appointed time. You know, we can just, just throw our hands up and I, I, I just don't want to do it anymore. You can't do that in the service. And, and really, you can't do that in a Christian life because you are a soldier in God's army. And if you don't do it, it's going to come back. That same job is going to come back to you in a different way. And you're going to have to learn to hurdle it or take care of it through obedience. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You might say, I don't want to be obedient to God in this manner. Lord, Lord, I, Lord you know I do everything that you ask, but in this one thing, I just, I can't stomach it. I'm not going to do it. 
God is not going to like that. You better do it. We've got to learn to do what he says. Okay? Um, well, if you're not doing it when God tells you to do it or the authority over you tells you to do it, um, neither did the devil. He didn't want to do his thing either. So what kind of company are you doing? Are you keeping when you follow through on the devil's path? I'm not going to do that. You siding exactly with the devil. Oh my gosh, here we go again. Stepping my toes. Okay. Obedience, again, is not always convenient. And it isn't necessarily happy either. Oh man. You mean get up in the morning at 5 o'clock in the morning, 6 o'clock? Well, in a service, if you're getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, to go to the chow hall was, was open at 8 o'clock. What do you do between those hours? You're learning to stand there and be obedient and listen to what they're saying, what you're going to be doing that full day. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glad those days are over. <laughs> Actually, it was, you know, I guess you, if you talk to some people, uh, the service was a eye-opener to a lot of young men. Now a lot of young women, they're finding out that hey, they needed it or I needed it uh, to uh, be successful in life or at least begin to operate. So we need to learn to be obedient, okay? Okay. Uh, again, obedience is not always convenient and it isn't always necessarily happy. Uh, the Christian that does not understand how to trust God in their lives will continue to be agitated. A Christian that doesn't know how to trust God in their lives continues to be agitated. Why? Because they're not being obedient. They're not following through. Remember, we are looking at a submitted heart here this morning. Um, they are suspicious of others. And they hold tightly to their own opinions and refuse to listen to legitimate authorities over them. Thus they are cutting off life's blessings to them. Did you know that when you become, become uh, disobedient, you cut off your blessings? Well, not only to God, but you, to your employer or your, your fellow workers. When they ask you to do something and you don't do it, you cut off your blessing. And you don't even recognize it. You just kind of float around. Oh, you know. Pretty soon things just kind of mount up and say, what is going on? And you start to pray and say, oh, Lord, what am I doing? And we don't get there because we don't follow through on our obedience. Okay. Another, so look, let's look at some examples. Those who walked in obedience should encourage us to also do so. You remember in the book of Genesis, you find uh, the last chapters are mainly talking about Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and remained, yet he remained obedient to God. He didn't curse his brothers and say, I wish they all died. <laughs> he didn't allow, allow, allow bitterness or hatred to take hold or fester his life. Uh, I hate to say this. There, are, there has been things in my life that I hung on to that... Uh, Oh, you know, I thought I, I was 
truly I was done wrong, just like Joseph was done wrong. But I have the, uh, uh, I let bitterness fester. I mean, anytime, uh, even now, I even think about some of the things I did. And, wow, boy, that is so terrible. Thing. And all that time, up to that time until I figured, hey, I've got to forgive these people. It, life was not good. Okay. Uh, and again, uh, Joseph was not uh, bitter at, uh, at his um, brothers. And so it didn't, that bitterness didn't fester in his life. Um, his response was that of forgiving all the way through. You're going to find out, you know, he was sold into, into slavery and he went to Potiphar's house and he was doing a great job. I mean, he was, he was obedient to Potiphar. Anything that Potiphar wanted, he got. And Potiphar said, this is the man. He's the second command of my house. But uh, his wife had second thoughts about Joseph. And so uh, she makes a play for him and he runs. But he leaves his outer garment because. Uh, and the wife says, you get rid of that guy. Potiphar, he's nothing but a troublemaker. He tried to do this to me and he tried to do that to me. And he was thrown into prison. So what did, did you hear, hear Joseph squawking? You know, read about him squawking or, or yelling that uh, he was done wrong by Potiphar's wife. No, he went into the prison and he started working just as soon as he got there. Uh, the prison, the warden, I'll put it that way, started uh, giving him things to do, you know, more likely mediocre stuff that nobody else wanted and said, hey, this kid is doing all right, you know. Uh, he's young, but he's doing things I ask. Well, I'll give him a little more responsibility. And he got that responsibility. And we see that Joseph didn't have, bring that bitterness from Potiphar or his brothers into his next job or his next position. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Um, Joseph became then... Then, of course, we find out if you read it. Uh, Joseph became second command of the most powerful nation of the world. That, that was Egypt at the time. His life was totally blessed and it overflowed into his family because he submitted and was obedient to authority. Even when all the wrong, things went wrong, he was submitted and obedient to authority. And that's why he was blessed. And this is why we are blessed. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay, but then we can look at the, into, look, into the life of Daniel. Uh, numerous times people wanted to uh, do him in. It says Daniel had an excellent spirit because he was obedient to authority. Uh, God kept him unharmed by the enemy that, that sought to kill him a number of times. Uh, uh, and he was promoted to different positions, always at a higher level. Just, just as uh, Joseph was, Daniel was uh, being promoted, promoted in his uh, place of, of, of uh, employment, you could say. Um, he served because he's obedient and submitted to God. Okay, let's not turn to, since we haven't moved from the book of uh, Hebrews, let's go to the book of Acts. Let's go to the book, Acts chapter 4. We're looking at the disciples here. Acts chapter 4. 
verse 19. Acts 4, 19. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you, or more uh, unto you, you more than God, ye judge. For we cannot but speak the things that, that we have seen and heard. They're going to speak God's word. We need to learn to speak God's word in, in any situation. They're in a position here, getting ready to be um, thrown in prison. They were ready to uh, be arrested, but they were going to speak God's word. They were going to be obedient to what God called them to do. And uh, then we go to chapter 5 and look at verse 29. Peter said, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. We need to follow what God says. And oftentimes we say, Well, I'm doing what God called me to do, but He also says, We need to follow through on the authority that's over us in our country and our job and so forth. So we need to, obedience is ultimately gone back, back to God. I mean, you obey your, your employer, your, if you're in the service, you, you obey the sergeant and the major, the captain, and you are being obedient and you will be blessed because of it. Glory to God. Now let's turn now uh, to the book of Romans. In the book of Romans, chapter 5. Oh, I jumped. Uh, well, yeah. Make it Hebrews 5. I'm sorry, but keep, keep your uh, hand in Romans there. Let's go to Hebrews 5 first. Uh, Jesus is the ultimate example of someone who was completely obedient to God. Hebrews chapter 5, looking at verse 8. Though he were the Son, yet he learned obedience by the things in which he suffered. Wow, there's sometimes we have to, we will suffer because we have to be obedient. Glory to God. Our relationship with people is not always based upon our relationship relationship with people, but with our relationship with God. How are, are we doing it God's way? Are we murmuring, complaining about what we're having to do, or are we doing it God's way? Hmm. Okay, now back to Romans. Romans chapter 5. Look at verse, uh, this, this is what Paul says, Romans chapter 5, verse 17. For if, if by one man's offense death reigneth by one much more they which receive an abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Christ Jesus. So we see the obedience we have. Uh, we have through Jesus' obedience, we became, we, we became righteous. And in verse 19, for by one man's disobedience were pardon me, for as one for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So we see that uh, Jesus made us righteous, and we, we, we see what happens when we become disobedient. It just falls in the wrong hands. Um, and then go to Romans chapter 6, and this time we'll look at verse 13, Romans 6, 13. 
Neither shall your members as instructions of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as though you are living, you are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So we need to, sometimes we're going to have to, you could say, fall on the sword and follow through on the obedience that we're called to do. Uh, sometimes it's not pleasant, but your obedience will bring your blessings. Everyone has a choice. Well, everyone makes a choice. Uh, uh, the choice that wins God's heart is us being obedient, submitted and obedient. Glory to God. Uh, this means that you don't spend trying... Uh, you don't spend your time trying to figure out how much you can get away with. Uh, you follow through on, the, on your obedience and submission to God. If your heart is obedient to God, you won't wonder about doing anything else. Because everything else will be under the blood. Okay. You'll be like, will you be like King Saul or will you be someone like David? Uh, second... Second Chronicles and Second Chronicles chapter 16. Wow. Look at verse 9. Second Chronicles chapter 16 verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and, th to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. Whose heart is perfect towards God and is being willing and obedient to do what he's called to do. Therein thou hast done foolish, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. So we see here that if we are obedient and follow through on what God's called us to do, we won't have to go through the turmoils of life's uh, things. He'll uh, protect us from the other things. God is looking again for people with a heart that holds nothing back from him. I mean, we're submitted to him. We're obedient. King, King Saul did what uh, the people called him to do. As a result, uh, Saul lost everything. There should be no room inside our hearts for, for other people's opinions or our natural reasonings. Saul's heart was tainted with pride and rebellion. We don't want to fall into either one of those. Okay, I'm going to ask a few questions and uh, only you can answer them uh, mentally. Um, I think some of us will can say did you ever wonder or did you ever did you ever do things like the following one speak disrespectfully about your delegated authorities wow okay that old man doesn't know what he's doing two raise questions concerning those in authority that they have the ability to lead. I can remember that. I remember uh, we had, in boot camp you had two sergeants. One was Sergeant Gombrowski, in my case, and Sergeant 
Tenderfoot. What a name, but Tenderfoot. Under Sergeant Dombrowski had a thick tongue, and when he would uh, shout the commands on the drill field, you couldn't understand what it, it felt like garble. And under Sergeant Tenderfoot, boy, we could, he shot them out, and you can hear them, and, and you made the correct thing. So uh, any times we had to go on the parade grounds, we complained if Sergeant Gombrowski was out there, we were going to be a mess. But if Tenderfoot took us out there, we'd be all right. So when we went into through drill inspections, we'd hope that Tenderfoot would lead us, but oftentimes it wasn't. And, the, and uh, we would uh, come against the other platoons or flights, and we would be the worst thing that out there. And, and Gombrowski would take it. We'd get back in the barracks, and he would ream us out and took away our weekend privileges of going into town. So uh, it was bad news. Okay, so we spoke a little bit uh, disrespectable about authority over us. Okay, uh, I think all of us can raise our hand on this one. Did you ever criticize your parents? Yeah, after I got on my own, I said, boy, my parents were smart. I was smart. <laughs> We found out, yeah, but we do, as kids, especially in teenage years, uh, we begin to criticize our parents. I have, you know, I could, everybody else is doing it, why can't I? You know, uh, I'm your parent, uh, you'll do what as I say. Well, no, I don't care, but this, they're doing it. So we, we criticize our parents, you know, so we all fall into that one. But, um, did you ever raise questions openly about uh, uh your employer's uh, management skills, well, that person doesn't know what they're doing. You know, I, I, could, I could take over that job and do it right. Until you find out there's other, other things besides that. So he may, he, may, he may be wrong in one area, but uh, he may be correct in the rest of them, okay? Um, oh, here's one. Uh, we, uh, I think some of us, have complained about that this is not obedience or submission. Complain how hard it is to serve God. Well, none of you ever said, you know, God says we need to do this, do that. You know, that's a complaint. You know, okay, okay. Drag down leadership of the church and sow seeds of discontent in other people's lives so that their faith is destroyed. Uh, some of us have in some aspects. You know, I wouldn't go back there or all this type of stuff. So. We sow seeds of discontent, and that's disobedient. We're supposed to bring unity. And when you see someone fall, you need to go to them, and, and if you're able to correct them in, in an atmosphere of love, and you need to be. So how do we become more obedient? Uh, Proverbs chapter 3. In Proverbs chapter 3, how do we become more obedient? Proverbs chapter 3. We must know that God is the supreme ruler of all. That means we need to be obedient and submitted to him at all times. What he says takes precedence over what you feel or what you reason. Okay. Proverbs chapter 3, looking at verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thine own understandings. That throws out 
a lot of stuff. And in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own, own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Wow, there we go. We need to do that. We need to have that. We need to have that ministered. We need to be ministering. We need to call upon this to be in our lives at all times. Have, having uh, verses 5, 6, and 7 uh, applied to our lives. Okay. Uh, go to Joshua chapter 1. In Joshua chapter 1, you know where we're going. Jo Joshua chapter 1, looking at verse 8. Uh, we need to hearken diligently to God's voice. And here's what God says. Joshua 1, 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. We need to not, don't let the word of God depart from your mouth. But thou shalt meditate thereupon day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So if we have the, the word of God in our hearts and on our lips, it says that we will be prosperous and shall have good success. We also need to observe what he's called us to do here. Okay. Uh, let's go to the New Testament and go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 this time. Glory to God. We need to bring our mind, mind and body in, under subjection to God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 27. That's 1 Corinthians 9, 27. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Uh, from the Amplified it says, But like a boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardships, and subdue it for the fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and the things pertaining it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved, and rejected as a counterfeit. Wow, that, that is some heavy stuff right there. So we need to bring our bodies into subjection to the word and our minds follow through. Uh, that's, that's last week's uh, testimony. Follow through. Uh, 2 Corinthians this time. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It doesn't matter what you think. What you know. Or what anyone else says. Does it line up with God's word? And we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Wow. We need to do that. Too often, uh, we let things go rampant. Um, we need to train um, ourselves. Now, we can train animals. Um, they have an, a, what they call an agility course for, for dogs. They, they got a bunch of poles and the dogs are supposed to go in and out, zigzag, and they have uh, a ramp that they climb up and crawl through 
tubings and all that type of stuff. And we can teach that, and, uh, and, and the animal, be, you know, they, they are graded how well they do it. Um, up in Reno, uh, I know this because uh, one of the dog uh, grooming uh, persons is going up to Reno, and she has a horse. And she does the barrel racing and um, some of the, the other type of things. But, and then she said there's, they got another thing that they, they set up, a cow or a calf, a couple of cows or calves out in the arena. And they're supposed to do this uh, lariat. They're supposed to run, the, run the, the, the cow in, into a certain uh, course and then bring it back and then run it down again. I, I didn't think they could do that with a, with a horse. But they were doing it, and she says, it's, um, it's one of the most dangerous things that I guess one of these, uh, quote, cow hands do when they run these uh, cows with the horses and you can fall and get trampled or whatever. So it doesn't, again, it doesn't matter what you, what you know or what you think. And we're looking at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. It says, Casting down the imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Their obedience. Submission and obedience to the th of Christ. We need to have our lives moved upon in a greater fashion. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And we're going to get out of here early. The arena of the mind is a source of most Christians' problems, our mind. Uh, they think and they, that they are doing something to overcome the enemy, but it's not, not there when you don't do it by God's way. And uh, number four, the last guidance is interesting. To, is, it, is it to be more obedient to God and give him the control of your finances, you know, when we find out if we are, a lot of people find out where they're at uh, in obedience if, if they are giving tithes and offerings. Then you find out pretty much they're obedient mostly uh, to all of God's word when they, when they do that. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 6 and look at it in that way. It's Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19. Matthew 6, 19. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth, but where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How are you going to do that? Through obedience and submission. Where neither moth nor rust can corrupt, and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So we'll find out if we are in line with things, if we are willing or being to follow, follow through, because that's where our treasure is, according to God's word, okay? As long as we make obedience an option, or submission an option, we will never accomplish anything God asks us to do. As long as we make obedience or submission an option, option pardon me, we will never accomplish anything that God asks us to do. To, to obey God 
we must be argument-free because obedience doesn't have anything to do or think about what is wrong, if we think it's wrong. Instead of resisting, we should entrust ourselves to godly wisdom. Not my will, but the Lord's. Amen. Okay, let's go to the book of Numbers at this point. And we'll go to Numbers chapter 35. Numbers 35. This is quiz time. Um, in the promised land, how many cities of refuge were there? In the promised land, how many cities of refuge were there? And if you looked in Numbers chapter 35, verse 6, you would see how many cities of refuge were there. And among the cities which ye shall give unto the Levites, there shall be six cities of refuge. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Which ye shall appoint for the man center that he may flee thither and to whom ye shall add 40 years, 40 and two cities. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, in Joshua, we found out in Joshua chapter 20, we find out the names of these six cities. Joshua chapter 20. Verses 7 through 9. That's Joshua 7. Oh, pardon me, 20 verses 7 through 9. And they appointed Kadesh in Galilee in Mount Nathagel, and Shechem in Mount Ephraim, and Kedra, I can't even pronounce these guys' name, which is in Hebron, in the mountain of Judea. And on the other side of the Jordan by Jericho eastward, they assigned uh, Bezer in the wilderness upon the plain out of the tribe of Reuben, and Ramoth in Gilgad out of the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Basin out of the tribe of Manasseh. Okay, so we have Kadesh, Shechem, uh, Hebron, Bezer, Ramoth, and Golan. Um, I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to, that's Hebrews chapter 6. We'll find out something about the cities, why these cities were named as such. Remember, types and shadows in the Old Testament are types and shadows of what is going to t transpire in, in the New Testament. So in Hebrews chapter 6, Verse 18, that's Hebrews chapter 6, 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Okay. What it's referring here is that Jesus Christ is the city of refuge that we run to. As sinners. And the names of Kadesh, Shechem, Hebron, Bezer, Ramoth, and Golan um, 
are found in him. They, well, we'll translate these names now. The, 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 the six cities were divided, three westward of the Jordan and three eastward of the Jordan. And their places were, okay. Kadesh means holiness. Shechem talks about strength. Hebron talks about fellowship. Bezer talks about safety. Ramoth uh, speaks of uplifting or exaltation. And Golan talks about happiness. Some of these names we, we still have that, that you, you understand yet. So when you look at, look at it, how they said, it, written back in uh, Joshua 20, verses 9, Kadesh over against Golan means holiness over against happiness. So holiness is, is above happiness. Shechem over Ramoth means strength over exaltation. And Hebron over against Belsar means fellowship over against fortress. Okay. As a city of refuge stood almost at any man's door in the Old Testament. I mean, you, you can run there. But to enjoy its safety, you had to flee to its presence. So if anybody accidentally killed somebody, they could run to that, that city and they would be free from a death sentence. Okay, um, but at the death of the high priest, it satisfied and set all the sinners, or all those people that ran to those cities, uh, cities of refuge. Uh, they were set free from, by the law, sin of the law. So when Jesus died, everyone was set free from from the cities that. Uh, we found safety as our refuge cities, okay? Okay, next week's quiz for those that are interested. In the book of Revelation, in the book of Revelation, it mentions seven churches. In the book of Revelation, it mentions seven churches. Uh, what are their names? And you'll find it in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Amen. Glory to God. So... That's a submitted heart we looked at this morning. Let's all stand. We'll close. And glory to God. Uh, we sang one of the songs this morning. From my lips, God has offered praise. You need to praise God today, tomorrow. And every day you think, um, amen, from your lips, God has ordered praise. Don't let the other things slip out. Don't be disobedient. Be obedient and submitted to God's word. Father, we praise you. We just give thanks, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that our eyes are open, Father God. And Father God, that if there be anything, Father God, that we need to clean up in our lives, Father God, I thank you, Lord, uh, being submitted and obedient to you, to you, Father God, will bring about, Father God, the greater blessings that uh, we can employ in our lives. So, Father, we praise you for it. As we go our separate ways, Father God, thank you, Lord, uh, that you have your hand upon us, Father God, and everyone that we come in contact, Father God, can be blessed, Father God, as we, Father God, offer, Father God, uh, just as uh, Peter and John, Father God, 
gave to that uh, lame man, Father God, outside the, the temple, Father God. He can walk and greater things will take place, Father God, as we minister for you on our different ways in Jesus' name. Amen.